Pick 6 Podcast Special. No, it's not Special Edition. This is a daily show now. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, wherever else you want to. Uh, 30 minutes, 6 topics, around by 6 a.m. I won't be up and posting it, but I'll be up recording it late at night. Will Brinson here, joined on the horn by the one, the only, Ben Follin. What's going on, buddy? Well, that's why it's a special edition. You have me on your podcast. You know, this doesn't come around too often. That is true, although you have been a recurring guest um, as a friend of, you know, multiple members of this podcast, myself and Ryan Wilson, and I mean, I guess Prisco and Lock and Fora, too. But, like, you know, you, you, me, and I think you, me, and Ryan all started about the same time in terms of the NFL beat, and you've just managed to climb up while we've we've stayed stagnant on our whatever well, we do the, here. Well, the key is just befriending the right people, you know. Like, <laughs> if I want to get on the CBS podcast, I better be friends with you and Ryan. So, really – that's been the secret behind all my success is just, you know, befriending the right people. Yeah, we all make mistakes, Ben. It's okay. Uh, all right, let's dive into it because the big news on today is Tuesday, right? Yes, today is Tuesday, April the 3rd. As we're recording this, you'll be listening to it on Wednesday morning. But the Patriots got nuts and they traded Brandon Cooks. First things first, Ben, why did they do this? It was an interesting move. Um, to me, Brandon Cooks never quite fit in with what the Patriots like to do. Uh, the numbers look pretty good. Uh, 1,082 yards, led uh, second on the team with seven touchdowns, a very healthy 16.6 average this year, was a good deep threat, but doesn't have the versatility that the Patriots like. He, you know, he didn't play on special teams, doesn't cover punts or return kicks or anything like that, uh, and, and isn't a very physical yards-after-the-catch type receiver. Um, he's kind of a little guy, and yeah, he can catch the home run ball, but you know, he's not very physical uh, in terms of fighting off jams at the line of scrimmage. He was one of their worst third down receivers this year. Just kind of a good complimentary piece. And I think he was good for them of what they were paying him last year, a million and a half dollars. This year on the fifth year option, his salary jumped up to eight and a half million dollars. That's almost double what you're paying Julian Edelman. That's more than you're paying Rob Gronkowski. And considering that Cooks had no dead money with his contract, they can move him for free, basically. I always thought that they would look to to move him just because even though he's a decent value in the grand scheme of the NFL, I just didn't think economics wise, they're not going to pay eight and a half million dollars for a guy who's kind of as limited as cooks is when they're paying $5 million for someone like Julian Edelman. So, you know, cooks was a decent player and he got them a first round pick in return. They had to do some other maneuvering with the draft picks, but gave them some good ammo. Now they're sitting on the 23rd and 31st picks in the first round. And then the 43rd and 63rd picks in the second round. So between uh, trading Garoppolo and Brandon Cooks now, they've got some extra ammo that they can use in the draft to go get a quarterback or fill any other need that they have. Yeah, and we will get to that in one second. Um, the thing that, about Cooks that stands out to me, he's one of four receivers with three seasons of 1,000-plus yard, yards before he turns 25, and he's definitely the only receiver in that group to be traded twice before he turns 25. Um, do you think that it is fair to compare what they got for Garoppolo versus what they got for Cooks? Or do you look at this and say, you know, this is a pretty good job by the Patriots to go out there in this market with the Rams who are hungry. They were looking at possibly getting Odell Beckham and then getting a first-round pick in return for a guy who, like you said, was going to require a pretty long-term extension with only 16 games left on his deal. Yeah, it is interesting that, uh, as you mentioned, Cooks, he does have some great stats for his short time in the NFL, and yet two teams have now given up on him, which is – just kind of interesting. And, and for the Patriots, I think Cooks' future salary demands definitely uh, factored into that. He's 
as you said, after this season, he's going to be a free agent, and we see the crazy deals that Sammy Watkins got and Mike Evans and, and Brandon Cooks is going to get big money. So the Patriots were able to, um, you know, salvage his value now instead of losing him for nothing next year. Um, any any trade compared to Garoppolo is going to make the Garoppolo trade look bad. <laughs> you, you don't just give up a, a franchise quarterback for a second-round pick. So you almost have to take that out of the equation. They basically got this time for Cooks what they gave up last year. They gave up a mm. one, and there was like a fourth involved somewhere. It wasn't just Brandon Cooks for a one, and then they did a similar package this time, and they got a year out of him. So to me, they did a good job of kind of maintaining the value, and uh, he's going to be a good fit for the Rams. They they love that the play action and the deep passes, and um, they don't rely on, on yards after the catch as much as the Patriots do. Um, so to me, economics obviously played uh, a big role in this. Sure, in a vacuum, they'd love to have Brandon Cooks, but the fact that he was going to be a free agent um, factored in greatly, and they're not going to pay him that money. So they get the good draft picks, and they set themselves up. But I do wonder what they're going to do at receiver now because they're down Cooks and Danny Amendola from this past year. Yeah, that is sort of a problem. And um, I like what you point out, that they basically got him as a cheap rental in 2017, almost won a Super Bowl with him, you know, he gets hurt in that Super Bowl, of course, that, that tough hit from Malcolm Jenkins. But they got it. They paid him a million and a half, and they got they they increased the, the quality of the draft pick they got in return. I am now going to say, ding, because, Ben, I don't have any sound effects on this podcast yet. And uh, I'm saying ding as we switch to topics with the goal being in mind that at some point someone more technologically advanced will tell me how the hell to put a ding on my podcast. Um, which moves or a me. countdown clock. You need a clock or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the goal is like to have a, to be a really poor man's PTI type of situation. <laughs> I guess I could say that on the, on the podcast. Um, Gron- Rob Gronkowski, you mentioned the, the money they won't be spending on Brandon Cooks. The Gronkowski rumors about a trade or a or retirement have been out there. I think everybody pretty much believes that that's a money thing, right? I mean, he, he wants to get paid by the Patriots. Does not paying Brandon Cooks or moving on from Brandon Cooks free up the Patriots to give Rob Gronkowski the money he wants to make him happy and get him fully invested in 2018. Yeah, I mean, certainly you can kind of connect the dots there. And, and I think the Crafts have enough money that they probably could have paid Gronk <laughs> regardless of what they do with Brandon Cooks. But certainly they're saving $8.5 million in cash now on Brandon Cooks that can easily go over to Rob Gronkowski. Um, and the thing with Gronk is if you give him a new contract, you can lower his cap number too. So his cap number for the coming year is like 10.9 million. So you can make him happy and give him more money and lower his cap hit. So to me, it's like a win-win. And if, you know, if I'm looking at it from Gronk's perspective, last year, the Patriots did him a solid. They gave him five and a half million dollars in incentives when they really didn't have to. They had him locked into this contract and he earned every penny to his credit. He had a phenomenal year. And so now, He's probably looking at it like, look, I don't want incentives. I want guaranteed money. I'm one of the top players in the game, tight end, wide receiver, running back, doesn't matter. You know, I want guaranteed money, especially when he sees Sammy Watkins getting $21 million signing bonuses and Trey Burton, who's, you know, hasn't really accomplished anything in the league. He's getting paid almost the same as Gronk now for the coming year. So I think they can give him a big signing bonus, make him happy, lower his cap hit. Uh, it's going to be contingent on him showing up to OTAs and being a good soldier. I'm sure they want to see that he's all in first before they redo his deal. But, you know, by freeing up Cooks, uh, by releasing or trading Cooks now, it frees up this money for Gronk. I wonder if they've still got a big move uh, at receiver. Obviously, Odell Beckham's out there. 
Uh, coincidentally, he's making the same exact uh, $8.459 million that Cooks is because they're both on the fifth-year option. I know Beckham wants this long-term extension, but I would do the same thing they did with Cooks. I would trade for him for a year. Uh, he would, I think, undoubtedly show up because who doesn't want to catch passes from Tom Brady going into a free agency year? And then, you know, see where the chips fall after that. So I think they should go after Odell Beckham. But obviously now they have the money to pay Gronk or do any number of big moves. Yeah, and you uh, you beat me to the punch. I'll ding uh, you. You could have dinged me. You could have said ding yourself. It's it's a wide ranging podcast. Ding is Odell Beckham in the cards. Jason Lockenfora, um, my colleague at CBS, reported that the Patriots will not be in the market for Odell Beckham. So I mean, I got you know, I, I buy what Jason's reporting, and I think that there are some issues there, namely that contract that you'd have to pay. You know, you have to get Odell locked in if you want to keep him long term. But I like your idea, Ben. The the concept. And by the way, people can follow Ben Volan of the Boston Globe if you don't know who we're talking to uh, on Twitter at Ben Volan. I like the concept that they would take the two first rounders, which is the reported tag, ship them to the Giants, say, give us Odell. And then you rent him for a year at eight and a half million dollars. You get one of the best receivers in the game. You could potentially sign him long term. And worst case scenario, he walks and you're guaranteed you're going to get a third round compensatory pick because Odell is going to sign for a ton and be productive with his new team. Right. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't trade two first-round picks for him. That, that's an awful lot when you're sitting at 23 and 31. But I would, I would consider parting with one of them in, in a package, and you know that's going to hurt the Giants' trade uh, market with Beckham because, you know, if a team wa- if he wants that big deal on top of it, usually you either get a, a a big draft pick or you get a big contract. A team usually doesn't give up both. So if a team's going to be make you know, it's going to be, do the Giants just want to get rid of Odell Beckham? Do they just want to, to be rid of the headache? Or do they want fair value? And if they want fair value for him, then a trade might not happen. Uh, you know, two two ones from the Patriots would be too much for me. But one of them, now we're talking. But to me, what it does really with this trade of Cooks, and it gives them all this ammunition, now they're in the market for a bunch of quarterbacks. Uh, we all know, obviously, Brady's going to be 41 years old. They traded away the future in Jimmy Garoppolo. They don't have anyone behind him. Now they're at 23 and 31 in the first round. They got 43 in the Garoppolo trade. 63 is their own pick. Uh, they have 95 in the third round. They've got a couple other. Uh, they have a compensatory in the fourth. Anyway, they have some ammo now to move up or down. Um, I, you know, I don't know if they're going to be in play for the Darnolds or the Josh Rosens, but uh, you know, a Mason Rudolph from Oklahoma State, I think now is very much in play. Maybe a Lamar Jackson. Uh, there's a bunch of smaller school guys that they've been looking at. So to me, the Patriots now are all in on this uh, quarterback market. Well, it's a good quarterback market to be all in on. Ding. Um, I don't know why I keep doing this stupid ding thing. I'll give it up at some point. Um, the, uh, the Pats, you're right. They have 23, which is worth 760. And we're just going on the old trade value chart. I think that you could conceivably say that um, nobody's really using that to the letter of the law anymore. And that's fine, but it's sort of what we got to work with in terms of, what we've seen teams use um, that 31st pick is worth 600 points. Their two second round picks are worth uh, 746. And then that third at 95 is worth 120. That's 2,226 points, which is worth more than the third overall pick. Um, if I start naming some play, like what, what is the ceiling for how high the Patriots could go in the draft? Cause if, if they wanted to chase Rosen or Mayfield or uh, you know, Darnold slash Allen or, um, you know, one of those four guys, I think they have to get to four. I don't know that the Browns would do that trade even for that full list of picks. And I don't think the Patriots would want to make that move. What, do you think two or two to the Giants or four 
to the to the Browns is even in play in any realm of possibility? I think that's probably asking a little too much. Um, could the Patriots get that high if they literally sell off the farm and maybe some future picks? Yeah, but I, I don't think they want to do that. Uh, they have some other holes on the team. They're probably going to have to draft their starting left tackle this year. Uh, they have a few bodies on the roster, but no one with real NFL experience at left tackle. And so I, I think they're going to have to use a high pick uh, at that position. They really could use a, another linebacker, some more help in the front seven. That was a unit that was really decimated by the Super Bowl last year. That you know they have some guys coming back from injury, but the defense needs some some young fresh legs, and um, they could probably use a receiver now that uh, a tight end maybe uh, to develop uh, behind Gronk. So they have some holes, and I don't think they want to give up all their picks, but they have some flexibility to move around. So I, I think they're realist, realistically looking, you know, at the teens and the second tier of quarterbacks. And again, I've got my eye on Mason Rudolph. That's a guy. I've heard some people say that they like him the, the best of any of the quarterbacks in the yeah. draft. And he's a, a big kid and a pro style type of kid and, and just the type that could sit for a year or two uh, and learn from Belichick. Uh, so that's who I've got my eye on. Obviously here in, in New England, everyone's looking at this Kyle Lawletta kid, <laughs> you know, Richmond. So the, the parallels already to Garoppolo playing at the lower level. And then he's a lacrosse player. And we all know Belichick only strictly wants to draft lacrosse players and, fulfill his goal of fielding an entire lacrosse team on the football field. <laughs> the kid's got ties to the Navy. His dad was like a punter there. I mean, there's just so many ties between Lawletta and, and the Patriots that it just seems too obvious that they're going to pick him. But I think they want to go big. I think they want to go higher. And somewhere in that mid-first to mid-second round range, I, I think they're going to be looking at a quarterback. Is there any chance that the Patriots would consider and the Colts would have to obviously – just looking at the way that the board could fall, if it go, if we get four quarterbacks off the board to start, and I don't think that's unreasonable, or even uh, three quarterbacks and Saquon Barkley to the Giants, assuming they don't move, and then the and then um, let's say the the Broncos go with Quentin Nelson, is there any chance the Patriots would consider chasing after Bradley Chubb, even after Bill Belichick said I'm not going to be able to draft you? I don't see them going all out for a player like that. I don't know a ton about Chubb. Is he just a pass rush, pass rush no. specialist, or is he a, a three-down defensive end, someone He's... who can play the run? The, the Patriots, they don't, for whatever reason, they don't target the Von Millers and the Khalil Mack type of defensive ends. Belichick really just wants big, stout guys who can set the edge and, and grapple with a tackle and a tight end and uh, let the linebackers clean up. So to me, Bradley Chubb, that's a player that if, if he's sitting there, I think Belichick would love to have him, but um, that's not a position where I see the Patriots needing to make a big move. I, I think there are enough bodies there uh, and what they're looking for out of that position that they can wait for someone to fall, fall to them uh, wherever they're drafting, wherever they want to pick it. If they're going to make a move, it's, it's going to be for a quarterback. I mean, that's, if they're going to be moving up or down, that that's the position that they're going to target. Um, and just for the record, and not that you would have studied Chubb because he's not on your draft radar for the, for the Patriots, but um and I, of course, have seen Chubb plenty as an NC State guy, but uh, excellent against the run. Could actually drive into coverage pretty well and play. He could play in a three-four or four-three. Can rush from anywhere. So he's—I mean, to me—he's the best player in the draft. Uh, I'm not biased. I'm just experienced. He, he'd be a great fit there. But I think you're right. That is a lot uh, to invest in one player on the defensive side of the ball when you have holes. Do you think that this is more likely to be sort of like 2012? 
when the Patriots, I believe, traded up for both Chandler Jones and Dante Hightower, right? They had those two first-round picks and slid up the draft board a little bit when some quarterbacks dropped. Can you see that sort of unfolding where the Patriots maybe move up and get like a Mike McGlinchey uh, to, to move in as the left tackle or to, or to be the future left tackle there and then also add a quarterback like a Mason Rudolph later? I mean, I think it's all in play for the Patriots, no doubt. Um, Belichick has a, an incredible streak going of executing trades at the draft. It's, you know, several years long at this point. And they, they never stick with uh, the picks that they have. I mean, last year they punted completely on the draft. They had two threes, a four, and a six, and that was their entire draft class. Oh, yeah. This year it seems like they're doing the opposite. They're accumulating these picks, two ones, two twos, a late three. They're going to be moving around. There's there's no doubt in my mind that they're not going to be picking at those numbers. And, yeah, the, sliding up, sliding down. You know, the, Belichick and the Patriots don't really know what's going to happen. They, they sure. wait for the board to unfold, and when they see a player they like sitting there at 17, that's that's when they pounce. Um, but to me, just, you know, they're to me they're all in on the quarterback now, and it's going to be fascinating to see um, at what level. Do they target the big guys? Do they go for the second tier? Do they go more for the value? When Jimmy Garoppolo is still a late second, uh, late second round pick, kind of a value guy, and no one had obviously that was the highest they'd ever drafted a quarterback, but no one really knew about him. There weren't huge expectations for him, so I'm I'm real curious to see which bin the Patriots are shopping at this year, and I, I think they're going to go pretty big and make a play and, and get a, a fairly big name quarterback out of this draft. Do you think that the whole Garoppolo thing is sort of? said it in Bill Belichick's mind that it makes sense to get a guy in the first round because if he if he taken Garoppolo in the first round and this is obviously hindsight is Garoppolo looks great but if he taken Garoppolo in the first round he would have had a fifth year option on him and might have been able to extend him out through the course of Tom Brady's career um you draft a guy now in the first round and you're all, like you're you're locked like you've got 5 years on this guy to you know and even if Tom Brady plays four more I mean Tom Brady's not playing five more years even if Tom Brady plays three maybe even if Tom Brady plays three more years you're still going to be in good shape because you can exercise that fifth year option that everybody should be exercising some teams don't cuz they're stupid um and then you've got your guy and you know you're going to have him when you transition right do you think that matters at all to him yeah i think that's a great point um uh, that's a really good point, Will. And, and yeah, they they wish they had that fifth year option on Garoppolo. There's no question. Uh, although again, just Garoppolo's presence in New England upset Brady and and made him question: Are they trying to get rid of me here? So either way, you know, there may have been pressure on Belichick to get rid of Garoppolo. But uh, again, I don't think it's going to come into play this time with Brady uh, playing four versus five years. I mean, if you watch the Brady documentary from this year, he's thinking about retiring now and, right. you know, we'll be lucky if he plays another year after this. I think realistically he's got two, two more years, maybe three, then you hand the team over to the next guy. But yeah, I mean now, and especially now with two first round picks, you can get that left tackle with your 23rd pick and then you can get your quarterback at 31, have that fifth year option, buy yourself some time. And even if it's not with, you know, even if you're not basing your decision around Brady, it's still good business to have, that fifth-year option on a quarterback, which is way cheaper than a franchise tag and what these guys are worth uh, in free agency. So, I, absolutely, I think a quarterback is big time in play for the Patriots in the first round. Rank these guys in terms of you throw your pen in the air and scream something loudly that wakes up your family uh, if the Patriots were to draft them. Mason Rudolph, Lamar Jackson, Josh Rosen – 
Baker Mayfield, Kyle Laletta. So basically taking out Josh Allen and Sam Darnold. Right. Um, I think three of those guys would be great. Uh, Rudolph, um, Mayfield. To me, Mayfield and Rosen probably aren't realistic. Yeah. I think those guys are going to the top four, and I don't see the pay or the top five maybe, and I don't see the Patriots. Mayfield, Mayfield would be insane if like the Patriots drafted a guy like that with his sort of, you know, the, the lightning rod that he draws to the, you know, just attention wise. It would be it would be bananas in terms of how everyone would react on draft day, though. Well, that kid would be totally neutered, which would be unfortunate for all of us because he's true, true. such a great personality. So him going to New England would be. Good, probably good for his career, but bad for his off-field career and yeah. bad for us to enjoy an entertaining quarterback. Because you know they'd give him that lobotomy as soon as he came to Foxborough. <laughs> um, I, I'm not a big Lamar Jackson guy right now. Uh, I'm a little nervous about how he's handling this pre-draft prospect. There's been a lot of smoke about how he's just not putting the right people behind him. Obviously, his mother's running the show, and that's fine. You don't need an agent per se, but – you do need a strong circle around you, and supposedly teams are having a hard time contacting him. And I heard that he didn't do well at the combine with interviews and whiteboard work, and he's just not very prepared. And to me, you know, the Patriots are a, a pocket passing team, quick decisions, all you know, making your reads at the line of scrimmage. And, and Lamar Jackson, to me, is just not there yet. So I would want Rudolph, I would want Rosen or Mayfield, and Lalletta. He's getting so much hype here in New England that. It, Makes me question, like, are we? Is just this kid being way overhyped, and you know, I need to see this kid a little bit more for myself because the connections to New England are so strong that it makes me wonder if he's a little bit overhyped. But if they can get Mason Rudolph, I think that'd be a phenomenal pick for the Patriots. I, I agree, and he's got a great deep arm. Hey, do you, Ben? Do you think that there's any chance Josh McDaniels gets an input into which quarterback is taken outside of a you know your standard? offensive coordinator talking to the coach situation. I mean, is there a, you know, Brady era apparent McDaniels era apparent type of situation that could factor in here at all? Yeah, I think definitely McDaniels gets input and it's not so much as this is going to be the quarterback that's going to run the franchise when you and when Josh and the quarterback take over and for more, just this, this is a guy we want you to develop and we want you to feel comfortable with him and you're going to have to work with him. So we want you to have input and, you know, a lot of the, all their position coaches have input into some of the players that they draft. But McDaniel's is definitely in that, you know, inner circle. And it's been interesting that his face hasn't popped up at these pro days. Um, you know, all around Twitter, you see tweets about, oh, was it, this coach is here at Georgia Day. And, and uh, McDaniel's has not popped up. But from what I'm, I'm hearing, he's doing some uh, projects on these guys behind the scenes. And then when the Patriots bring them in for pre-draft visits, I'm, or uh, I'm sure he's going to campus or they'll bring him into Fox Pro. He's doing his homework. And, uh, you know, he did a great job with Jimmy Garoppolo. There's no question. And they're going to need him to, to do a great job with this next guy. And, again, I don't know if McDaniels is going to be the heir apparent. Uh, there's a, a lot of buzz that he's going to be throwing his name around the head coaching mix again next year. Oh, come but, on. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm telling you that it's – I don't think he's – no one knows when Bill's going to walk away, and I think I think McDaniel's is going to have his name out there again, and I think people are going to forget this incident because at the end of the day, he's a, a young, successful, offensive-minded coach who's worked with Tom Brady and won Super Bowls, and, and teams get enamored by that stuff. So, uh, but but he's definitely going to have uh, a lot of input into any quarterback that the Patriots draft. What's your thought on the Patriots' off season as a whole? Uh, because it's 
it's it's very it's very Patriots like in that they're losing dudes left and right, and everybody's sort of panicking about it. And you know, you you lose Nate Solder, you lose Deion Lewis, two critical pieces around Tom Brady. You lose Danny Amendola, the guy who's you know clutches hell in the playoffs. Um, are the Patriots panicking? Do you feel like the Patriots are in good shape to dominate again in, in 2018? Does, does it all not really matter when you have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick? Well, Brady and Belichick, and, and it seems like Gronkowski is going to be back as well. That, that's a pretty good start. Uh, yeah, the, the list of names that have left that are on their way out, it's glaring. Uh, Deion Lewis, Malcolm Butler, Nate Solder, uh, now Brandon Cooks. I mean, these are big names. Danny Amendola, that's a big part of their offense and, and uh, uh, from this past year. And all these names are, are walking out the door. And the guys that they're bringing in, it's all value uh, for the most part. Um, Danny Shelton and Jason McCourty and a bunch of special teams guys, Matt Slater and Nate Ebner. So they've taken the, a much slower and more methodical approach uh, this year to free agency. I, I, st- I think they still have maybe one big move left in them on offense. Um, again, I I believe Jason Lockenford and actually my colleague Jim McBride has something similar that they're probably not going to go after Odell Beckham, uh, the Patriots, but uh, I dream. think they might Dare still have a, a move left in them. But, you know, uh, having Brady and Gronk and getting Edelman back, uh, assuming he's close to the same player that he was, that's a great start. They're getting Dante Hightower back on defense. They added Adrian Claiborne from the Falcons. I think that's a solid uh, signing for them up front. Uh, Jeremy Hill from the Bengals. We'll see what he has. They brought back Rex Burkhead. So they still have some pieces. Um, big hole at left tackle still. I, I think the defense, the front seven, needs some more bodies. So th- they have a ways to go still. But, again, as long as they have Brady and Belichick and Gronkowski and, and Edelman, there's no reason why they can't be competing for a Super Bowl again next year. No, I agree. The, the Patriots will be good. Uh, the Rams might be the team that uh, people pick to play the Patriots what are your thoughts on, A, how Brandon Cooks is going to fit in with the Rams, and, B, just the Rams, what they've done this offseason in general? Because they now have – I think they've given away their first, second, fourth, and fifth round picks in the 2018 NFL draft in order to acquire various players. Also gave away a second pick, a second round pick next year to get Marcus Peters. But they added Peters and Tlaib. Uh, keep to lead for Wade Phillips Skeen. They added Indomitian Sue to a, an offensive line with Michael Brockers and, and Aaron Donald. And now they add Brandon Cooks, uh, to replace Sammy Watkins. It, it's, I mean, it's hard not to like it, right? Gotta love what they're doing. A, a lot of it's going to depend on Jared Goff. I think he kind of had, you know, maybe a little bit of a miracle year this past year. And, and now that there's more of a book on him, we'll see how, uh, he does, uh, in year three. But, I mean, yeah, you got to love that defense. Aaron Donald and Indomitian and Sue, that's going to be unblockable. Uh, Peters and Tlaib, you know, Tlaib is probably uh, on the downside of his career at this point. But, you know, Wade Phillips still pushing the buttons. That, that's going to be one heck of a defense. They're going to be uh, a real uh, nightmare for opposing uh, offenses. And then, you know, Todd Gurley, they brought back uh, Tavon Austin and, and now adding uh, Brandon Cooks. That's a lot of speed for them. Robert Woods had a, a solid year. Uh, Cooper Cup. So, you know, I like I like uh, Cooks because they're not going to rely on him necessarily to be the alpha, to be the number one. It's a big play-action offense. Uh, they don't need him to be a, a catch-and-run type guy. Just hit the big home runs on the deep passes, which he does pretty well. Uh, so Cooks should be, I think, a solid addition for that offense. They're still going to be run-based. It's still going to revolve around Todd Gurley and minimizing the impact uh, on Jared Goff. But, you know, you got to love what the Rams are doing, obviously. But still, it comes down to 
you know, it's kind of year two now with Goff and, and Sean McVay, and, and this was kind of a miracle year for them, and can they keep it going a second year? That's going to be tough for them. Yeah, I agree. And it's good. they're going to be a trendy pick this this, this, pre, this offseason and preseason, and that's always sort of a kiss of death. Like, I don't want to compare them to the dream team with the Eagles in Philadelphia, but, you know, you add all those players and all those big names, people start talking. No one, People are burying the Seahawks. Um, that's always dangerous to do when they have Russell Wilson. I think people are sleeping on the Cardinals a little bit and you know, the 49ers are going to be an interesting team to watch as well. The, um, you know, the, the thing with the Rams that will be interesting to see with Cooks too is do they utilize him more in those screen games? Cause I felt like he did a really good job breaking off big plays for the Saints. And if they can do that and continue to do what they did with Todd Gurley and everybody stays healthy, uh, it, it's a potentially dominant team. I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd pick them to win the NFC, uh, but I'd, I'd probably still pick the Patriots to win the AFC. Well, I'll tell you what though about Cooks. Um, sorry, my dog's being annoying here. You're fine. What, do you know what kind of, what kind of dog do you have, Ben? And what is the dog's name? Uh, Sammy. He's a very tough looking poodle. Nice. He's our, he's our guard dog. He, um, no, he's a real wuss, but. Um, well, listeners of, listen, listeners of this podcast know that um, we have a King Charles Cavalier named George who likes to bark and appear on the screen all the time. And uh, Lock and Fora has Copper Lock and Fora, which is some sort of mix, and, and Copper barks at least four or five times a show. So, we, Sammy, thanks for thanks for coming on. So we're in good company here, Sammy. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Cooks with the screen game. Like, I was expecting a lot of that from the Patriots yeah. this year. Quick screens, end arounds, you know, kind of the gimmick plays, get the ball in his hands and let his, his speed do the work. And that is not Cooks' game. He's not a yards after the catch kind of guy. Uh, he doesn't break tackles. Um, he, frankly, we saw it in the Super Bowl. He, he doesn't always have the best football sense. Uh, there was that end around where all he had to do was beat the defender. Oh, to he the tried to hurdle the, the guy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just a terrible move. And then on that wide open catch, you know, he's running around like a chicken with his head cut off and he gets smacked uh, by Malcolm Jenkins. Gets his head cut off. This dude, just catch the ball and head up field. Just get the yards. And uh, so just doesn't have great football sense. And and I was just waiting for that, you know, big, like, game-breaking play. And to me, uh, Cooks, the the comparison I use, he's Dave Kingman. Uh, hmm. he hits 40 home runs, but he bats 237. <laughs> like he's not, he's not consistent enough for what the Patriots like to do. Yeah. I, I did a thing. Uh, he, he caught seven of 26 passes on third down this year. And, and that Jeez. percentage was like 121st out of 124 receivers. So just not a guy who, you know, can get open and fight for the ball. And, and there was a game when Gronk was out against Miami, a Monday night game. And cooks was really the, the only number one receiver there. And, I mean, he got completely shut down by Xavier Howard, and, and the Dolphins just uh, pressed manned him all day, and, and Cooks couldn't get open. So he's a good secondary piece, and I think he'll be good for what the Rams like to do. But their offense is still going to revolve around Todd Gurley in the run game and the play-action passing. No, that's a good point. If you have to rely on Brandon Cooks to be the guy, then you're ultimately going to be in trouble. Um, he, like he said, he's not always great in the big moments. I'll tell you who is great, Ben Volan. Uh, thanks for joining us, buddy. Uh, people could check – let me know if I leave anything out here on Twitter at Ben Volan, of course, on Boston at the Boston Globe. Uh, the Sunday notes from Ben is a must read if you're a football fan and uh, you should be subscribing to the Boston Globe and supporting great journalism. What am I missing here? You you nailed it all, my friend. Uh, thank you. I think we give you guys a soft paywall, like five free articles a month, but I write way more than five a month and you guys all have to read them. So please 
pay the three ninety nine or whatever it is and support local journalism. It's so, a steal you, for the quality that the Globe cranks out. Uh, seriously, Ben, always always a pleasure. Great seeing you at the owners' meetings, and uh, we'll catch up soon, pal. All right, my man. Hey, enjoy the Masters this weekend. Uh, yeah. All right, well, actually, no, we'll get you out of here on this because the Masters, we're, this this podcast is coming out Wednesday. That means the next show will come out Thursday morning. Who are you picking to win? You you were down there. We were both. I was down there for a practice round last year. You were down there for the for the actual coverage. Who do you like to win this year? Um, is it too obvious to go with like a Justin Rose? Uh, no, obviously he was in that playoff last year. I love Matsuyama. He made a late run last year, and again, he's like top five in the world or whatever. So I know that's not a big sleeper, but no, that's not. I like I like. I mean, obviously we're all rooting for Tiger to be there on Sunday, but. I feel like Matsuyama is always like creeping in the top ten of these big events, and he's ready for a breakthrough. So I'm going with, with the Japanese guy. I kind of like that. Does he even have a? He doesn't have a major win, right? He's no, but he's got a bunch of top tens. Yeah. And, uh, so he's got a wow. He's got fifth at the Masters in 2015, tie second U.S. Open in 2017, tie sixth at the British in 2013, tie fourth at the PGA in 2016. He he is always there. I might have to add him to my. My office football pool. That's a, that's a good call because everybody's, everybody's sort of distracted by Phil playing well, Bubba winning, Tiger, of course, is there, Sergio's playing well, that this, it feels like it could be someone who sneaks in and, and steals it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm with you though. I hope, I hope we see Tiger and, um, Tiger and Phil and, and, and Bubba and, and, and all these guys, Dustin Johnson and, and the young guys who grew up watching Phil and Tiger, uh, playing late on Sunday. Well, it'll be a great weekend to fall asleep on the couch watching the Masters. An annual tradition in the boat. An annual tradition unlike any other. All right, Ben. Thanks, man. All right. See you, buddy.